discover the hidden Israelite ancestry of some of the most powerful nations on earth. Whoa, stop, stop. I want to do something different this week, ladies and gentlemen. This is Joseph Dumont of SightedMoon.com, and it doesn't always have to be so intense, so dramatical every time we come on the air. So I want to do something different. I want to share with you one of my most favorite songs, and then we're going to start. We're going to learn how to count to three. So this is one of my most favorite songs, How Good and How Pleasant for Brethren to Dwell, Together in Unity, So David Did Tell. This is from the Festival of Music to the Young Ambassadors from the Worldwide Church of God Days.
Isn't that a lot nicer, brethren? That's the Young Ambassadors from the Festival of Music 2. Uh, I think it was done in 1984. And that's when I first started learning about the Sabbath. Start, actually, in 1982, 83, I started attending the Worldwide Church of God and then learned about the Holy Days that same year. Was stunned to learn about them. And I've never stopped learning since then. This music was part of my life back then. It still is today. I still love it. It's still one of my favorite songs. So I wanted to share that with you. And I wanted to talk to you tonight or this week, wherever you are, this Sabbath, whatever whatever day you're listening to this podcast on, about the uh, three days and three nights and what do they mean. We've had some good responses from this article and uh, I want to share it with you. Because this is the only sign that Yeshua is our Messiah. It's the only sign. Matthew 12, 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall be a sign, no sign given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights, three days and three nights, in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man shall be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Do you understand what that means, brethren? That is the only sign that Yeshua is our Messiah. And if he wasn't in the grave three days and three nights, he is not our Messiah. Now, Christianity says he was in the grave from Good Friday at 3 o'clock Friday afternoon until Easter Sunday morning. So that's Friday night, all day Saturday, Saturday night, and he's out Sunday morning. On my hand, that's two nights and one day. Well, some people will count, you know, Friday, what's left over of Friday, and they'll count all of Sunday. But the women were there in the dark before Sunday morning, before the sun came up. But people want to count that as part of their, their theology. It just doesn't work. And we're going to find out if we have time today, if not in the next part of this podcast. We're going to get through all of this. Uh, and I don't care how many podcasts it takes, but we're going to get through them all. And we're going to find out that there was a conspiracy to convert people to Sunday worship. They did not want to have anything to do with anything that was Jewish. So they changed the wording so that you would worship on Sunday and no longer worship on the Sabbath. And as, as unbelievable as that is, it is the truth. We read in 1 John about the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, was with Jehovah, and the Word was Jehovah. And then read a little bit further down, and it says that Jehovah came and dwelt with men. Or God, the Word, came and dwelt with men. Then we have a disconnect. And we, we separate Jehovah God from the Word and make the Word into Jesus or Yeshua. But when we do that, then we develop in a, what is called the two-God teaching or the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, a triune teaching. But you need to go back and read what your Bible says. This is not Joe Dumon speaking. It's not someone else speaking. This is your Bible telling you. 
So we're going to just, just briefly digress here a little bit because you need to understand who this is. Because understanding who this is will help you to understand what took place and when it took place. In Isaiah 43, verse 14, so says Jehovah, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all of them as fugitives and the Chaldeans whose who shout is in the ships. Isaiah 43, 15, I am Jehovah, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Isaiah 44, 6, so says Jehovah, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, Jehovah of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and besides me there is no God. Now who says I am the first and the last in the book of Revelation? People attribute that to Yeshua. I'm the first and the last, but it's Jehovah. Again, it's controversial, I know, but you got to stop and think and reread your Bible because a lot of the stuff that we've been told just ain't so. And that's my proper King James English right there. Isaiah 44, 24. So says Jehovah, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. I am Jehovah, who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens alone, who spreads out the earth, who was with me. That's what he's asking. Who was with me? Isaiah 47, 4. Our Redeemer, Jehovah of hosts, is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 48, 7. So says Jehovah, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am Jehovah, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way that you should go. Isaiah 49, 7. So says Jehovah, the Redeemer of Israel, his Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him who the nation hates, the servant of rulers, the kings shall see and rise. Rulers also shall worship because of Jehovah, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose you. Jehovah is the one that we nailed to the tree. Jehovah is the one that paid the penalty for our sins. He's the one that we're going to marry. And he's the one that's working for you. This is something to think about because he's the one that gave up his life and hung on the tree for us and paid our sins, the debt for our sins, on our behalf. And when you understand that it's Jehovah that did this and he would, did this since the beginning, since the foundation of the world, then you'll understand the significance to the blood being put on the doorpost to protect you. It's Jehovah, our Redeemer, that did that for us. Now I want to show you, share something with you about when the day begins. The day begins at sunset. When the sun goes down, that's when the day starts. So the nighttime is the first part of the day, and then the daytime is the last part of the day. There are 12 hours in the night, and there are 12 hours in the day to make up a 24-hour day. And we read in Genesis 1 about the evening and the morning. The evening and the morning was the first day. Evening and morning was the second day. Evening and morning was the third day. Evening and morning was the fifth day. Evening and morning was the sixth day. And then Jehovah rested on the seventh day. And then we read in Leviticus 23, 
Uh, we're talking about the Day of Atonement. Verse 26, And Jehovah spoke to Moses, saying, This is very critical, because it's very important that you keep this day. It's another holy day. Also on the tenth day of this month, this is a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation to you. You shall afflict your souls and offer a fire offering to Jehovah. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is a day of atonement, in order to make an atonement for you before Jehovah your God. For any soul who is not humbled in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And to make sure that you understand when this very important day was, Jehovah then goes on to tell you precisely when it is. You shall do no kind of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. It shall be to you a Sabbath of rest, and you shall humble your souls in the ninth of the month at evening. From evening to evening, you shall keep your Sabbath. So from the ninth day at sunset is when you start this until the tenth day at sunset. That's the tenth day of the seventh month. So that's when the day starts at sunset and finishes when the sun sets the next day. We also have in John 11 verse 9, Yeshua answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. So he's telling you there are twelve hours in the day, so there are twelve hours in the night as well. So now we know the time period for these three days and three nights, how long they have to be. So what I'd like to do now is to go through chronologically the events of that 14th day of the first month and show you the events in chronological order so that you can understand when they happen and see the three days and three nights. There are a lot of people that are confused about this issue and they keep Passover at the wrong time because they don't understand. So just like that song says, we want you to understand so that we can all dwell together in unity. And it's by understanding, by opening up your Bible and reading the Torah, reading these scriptures, that you gain the unity. So long as you keep going to the, the isolated one or two scriptures that you have memorized, you'll continue to be on the wrong page. You have to include all the scriptures. You have to humble yourself and repent when you see that you're wrong, because it's about you and Jehovah and dwelling with him. Yeshua had eaten his last supper with the apostles. Now that was not the Passover meal. Matthew, Mark, and Luke mentioned that he was preparing for the Passover, that he wanted to keep the Passover, but he did not eat the Passover because Yeshua was the Passover lamb. If he was the Passover lamb, then they could not be eating the Passover meal because the Passover lambs were killed at 3 o'clock on the 14th day. Not the 13th, not the 15th, the 14th day, the preparation day for the High Holy Sabbath. So let's start in John. John is the only apostle that does the, the, the chronology in the proper order. The other ones seem to get it all mixed up and, and the words are, are twisted around each other. But John does it in the right order and he does it chronologically. So we're going to follow John and we might have some of the other ones come in every once in a while. So starting John 18, 26, he's had his supper. He's now gone across the Kidron Valley and he's sitting on what is called the Mount of Offense, the Mount of Olives. He's praying in the garden. 
The apostles have fallen asleep. He's told them to wake up. You know, he's very, very anxious about what's going to happen tonight because he knows what's about to take place. And they're praying. It's after supper. It's the start of the 14th. It's at night. John 18, 28. He's arrested. And they led Yeshua from, from Caiaphas into the praetorium. So they've now taken Yeshua back from the Kidron over to the judgment room at the temple. And Caiaphas and Ananias are there and they have this kangaroo court for Yeshua. But they're not allowed to kill him. So they take him over to the praetorium. So that's going from about the city of David, the Gihon Spring, over to the Dome of the Rock, the Praetorium. That's what's called the pavement. The Dome of the Rock, that stone rock in there is called the pavement. And that's where Pilate does his judgment on Yeshua and Barabbas. So John 18, 28. They, so if, if Yeshua had eaten the Passover meal, then listen to what John says here. They led Jesus from Caiaphas into the Praetorium, and it was early. So it's still in the dark, early in the morning. And they did not go into the praetorium, that they should not be defiled, and that they might eat the Passover. The Passover meal was eaten on the beginning of the 15th day, at night, after sunset, at the end of the 14th, and the beginning of the 15th, when you eat the Passover meal. And that's why they didn't go into the praetorium. They didn't want to become defiled. So Yeshua did not eat the Passover meal. He wanted to, because if he did, that meant he wouldn't die. But he didn't eat it. He ate the Last Supper with the apostles. Because at that supper, he had bread. During Passover, you'd have unleavened bread. After Pilate inspects Yeshua, he finds nothing wrong with him. And he sends him up to Herod. So Herod couldn't interrogate him because he's a Galilean. And Herod's palace is up about where Jaffa Gate is. So from the Dome of the Rock, they have to walk up to the Jaffa Gate. And Herod can't get him to say anything, so Herod sends him back down to Pilate. Pilate then gives in to the, the Pharisees. Let's see, John 19, 13. And then when Pilate heard this, that saying, he, he brought Yeshua out and sat down in the judgment seat, that's the Dome of the Rock, at a place called the Pavement, there it is, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover. So it's a preparation of the Passover. It's the 14th. And about the, okay, so that's about the sixth hour now. We're going to jump around here a little bit. Let's go back to Mark 15, 24. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots on them, as to what each should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. The third hour is 9 a.m. So Yeshua is arrested, taken to the, the uh, uh, what's that called? The stone, stone room, solid stone room, where they do the judgment there at the temple. And, and Caiaphas then sends him over to Pilate at the Dome of the Rock, the pavement, Gabbatha. And from the Dome of the Rock, they send him up to Herod, up at Jaffa Gate. And then back down to the Dome of the Rock, from Jaffa Gate to Dome of the Rock for Pilate again. Pilate then says, go ahead, crucify him. He's washed his hands of him. And they take him back to where he's arrested, which is over on the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Offense, across from the temple. And when you're with me in Israel, I show you these places and I have you walk these places so that you can see the distance. This has taken place during the night and during the wee hours of the 14th in the morning. This is Wednesday morning. And at 9 a.m. 
Wednesday morning, that who is the uncle of Mary, who took Yeshua with him up to England and circumnavigated the world in three years with Yeshua. That's another story for another day. Now, Joseph was part of the Sanhedrin. He was one of the, the high, high, uh, high members of the Sanhedrin, but he was also a noble decurio. A noble decurio, which meant that he was in high regard, a highly official, a high official of the Roman. He provided tin that they needed in order to make swords. So he was a very prestigious person, very well-off person, very rich person. You know, most people think that Yeshua and Mary were very poor, the poor carpenter. He was a wealthy man. But Joseph took him off the tree and prepared him. So Joseph had to go from the three o'clock, had to go from the Mount of Olives back to the temple, and then from the temple over to the Dome of the Rock. And because he was this, this decurio, he could go and see Pilate. And because he was a relative, he could claim the body. So then Pilate had to send the soldier back who stuck the spear in his side to make sure that he was dead. So from three o'clock over to the temple, back over to the Dome of the Rock. Let's say that's a half hour. And then a half hour back. Now Joseph's probably running. He knows the body's got to get off the tree. But he also knows that the tree, anyone who's hung on a tree, is accursed. So what do you do with the accursed thing? You're not allowed to touch it. And what they do with the accursed thing is they burn them. So the tree and the people on it would be burnt. But Joseph had to hurry because when he came back, the two thieves were still alive and they broke their legs. So three, let's say he gets back by four, they have to take the body down. That's five. Sunset is at six o'clock and they have to get him in the grave. So they don't have time to, to prepare the ointments for him. So they just wrap them, throw a few spices on them, and they put them in the grave. And I show people where this grave is and I show them where the crucifixion spot is. Just yards away. Have you ever tried to carry a dead person? Get one person in your group to lie down and be dead. And let's see two good, three good strong men pick them up. And just see how far you can carry them. That's what they had to do with Yeshua. So let's get back to our chronology here. He's now dead. And the Sabbath, the high Sabbath, Luke 23, 53. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen. That's the body of Yeshua. And he laid it in a tomb that had been cut in the stone in which no man had been before been laid. And that day was the preparation of the Sabbath, and the Sabbath drew on. So this has all taken place on the preparation day, the 14th day, and the Sabbath is about to begin. This is a high Sabbath. And the women were following who were accompanying him out of Galilee, who watched the tomb and how his body was placed. And they returned and prepared spices and ointment, and they rested on the Sabbath day. Whoops, something just happened here. The women went away on the high Sabbath, that Thursday, and they returned on the Friday, and they prepared the spices and the ointment on the Friday, and they rested on the Sabbath day according to the commandment. That's the weekly Sabbath now. Do you follow the scriptures? That's Luke 25, 23, 56. Luke 24, verse 1. And on the first of the Sabbaths, so now we're into the counting of the Omer, and the first of the Sabbaths, is, is an expression for the first week of counting the Sabbaths. You're to count the Omer to the Feast of Shavuot. The first day after the weekly Sabbath, during the Days of Unleavened Bread, 
is the start of this count. So that's what this expression is, the first of the Sabbath. While still very early, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had made Friday afternoon, which they had prepared, and certain others with them. So this is now Sunday morning. Mark 16, verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices so that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, that's Sunday, they came upon the tomb, the sun having risen, and they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. So when you come up to this place, you're talking as you're walking up this hill because he ascended the mount where he was crucified and the tomb was near there. So as you ascend this hill, they're walking and it's, it's a good walk up this hill. So you may have your head down. When you look up to see the tomb, that's when they noticed that the rock was already gone away and it was a big rock. These are large stones. And entering into the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. So when you go into this tomb, there are seven sepulchers there. And at this time, none of them had been used. On the right-hand side is a water chamber, a water cistern. And on the left-hand side is another cistern. In the front of this tomb is a like a little square courtyard, maybe 20 by 20. And in the middle of it is a cutout hole where they put all your ancestors' bones. They put them in this hole. But it had never been used because Yeshua was the first one in there. And they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither did they say anything to anyone, for they were afraid. And when Yeshua had risen early the first day of the Sabbath, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Now we're going to go to John 20, verse 1. The first of the Sabbaths, again, this is this way of counting the first of the Sabbath, starting with the Sunday after the the weekly Sabbath during the Days of Unleavened Bread. Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb, darkness still being on it, and she saw the stone taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Therefore Peter and the others went forth and came to the tomb. So they both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter and came first to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen lying, yet he did not go in. So as you step through this door, you see that you go into this little hallway where the seven sepulchers are. There's a little table on the left and there's a table on the, or not a table, it's like a, a cut in bench on the left and on the right at the far end. This is where the linen cloth were. And that linen cloth is the prayer shawl. So when you die, this prayer shawl is draped over your head. And if you understand the purpose of the prayer shawl, it's like your little prayer closet you go into. And Yeshua would have taken that off of him. And because it's a prayer shawl, it's very special. It's like it, it represents the cloud, the Shekinah that covered Israel. It's folded up nice and neat. It's never just piled on the floor in the corner. It's always folded nice and neat and, and pressed down and then placed away until you need it the next time. In fact, mine's sitting here right in front of me on my desk. It's a prayer shawl. John 20, verse 8. Therefore, then, that other disciple also went in, the one who came first to the tomb, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to themselves. But Mary stood outside of the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, 
she stooped down into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Yeshua had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why do you weep? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned backwards and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why do you weep? Whom do you seek? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away from here, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned herself and said to him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. Now listen to what he says next. Jesus said to her, Do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. This is very important. Why did Yeshua tell her not to touch him, not to hug him? Do you ever stop and think about it? It's the wave sheaf day. We've been harping on the barley, why we need barley. Now this is the most important event. Here's where the barley is about to be waved at 9 a.m. on this Sunday morning. Remember, the services are done at 9 and 3 every day. So 9 a.m. on this Sunday morning, during the days of unleavened bread, the morrow after the Sabbath, you're to wave your barley offering. Yeshua went and died. And Paul says he's the first of the first fruits. And he ascended onto heaven and he led a host of captives with him. Who are those captives? Those captives are all the dead who had ever lived. Turn with me now to Matthew 28. And we're going to start reading around verse 50. And Yeshua cried out again in a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened. And this is the part I want you to listen to. And the graves were opened, and the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised up. Remember, they turn to dust and they become, they disappear over thousands of years. But these are put back together and they're raised up to the top. And they came out of the graves after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. This is Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 27, I'm sorry, Matthew 27, starting verse 50 and verse 53, coming out of the graves after his resurrection. This is the wave sheaf offering. Yeshua led a host of captives with him. These captives, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Enoch, Elijah, all these people who have died, because Yeshua said no man has gone to heaven except the Son of Man who came down from heaven. Oh, now you're going to tell me about the thief on the tree who Yeshua said was going to go to heaven with that same day. Verily, verily, today you will be with me in paradise, he said. Well, that day that Yeshua was speaking of was a millennial day. And that millennial day ended in 84 Common Era. This is now the year 31 Common Era. So Yeshua came out of the grave. That thief who died on the tree three days before came out of his grave and walked into the city with the rest of the saints because Yeshua had given him his word. And when he ascended at 9 a.m. to heaven and he presented these saints as his first fruits of the rest of the crop that's coming, they were accepted. And then Yeshua came back down 
and he began to meet people on the road to Emmaus. We're going to talk about that in the next teaching. And talk to the apostles and touch me and feel me and here I am. So that's the chronology. So we have a Wednesday crucifixion and he's in the grave Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Or he dies at 3 o'clock. He's in the grave by 6 o'clock sometime around 5. So you have Wednesday night and all day Thursday day. That's the first high day. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Passover is that day. Then we have Thursday night and Friday day. That's the preparation day for the weekly Sabbath. Then you have Friday night and Saturday day. That's three days and three nights that Yeshua is in the grave. And he comes out of the grave. When? Just as it sunsets Sunday or Saturday night and the start of the first day. And the women come to the grave early in the morning while it's still dark. And the grave is already empty. And the stone is already moved away. But we have a problem. We turn over. Let's go over to Luke now. We're going to cover this right now. We're going to extend this teaching a little bit longer. We're going to go to Luke 24. He meets these men, these two disciples, possibly one is a woman, on the road to Emmaus. This has been a problem for some people. This is their trip-up point. This is the thing that they use to justify a Friday crucifixion and a Sunday resurrection. This is their Good Friday, Easter Sunday. This is their proof scripture right here. We're about to read it. Let's start Luke 24, verse 20. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who is going to redeem Israel. I'm reading from the New King James Version. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. That's the New King James Version. Uh-oh. Today, Sunday. Today is the day all these things happen. What do we do? What do we do? That's the proof scripture. That's why we, we know that Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the day he rose up. And that's why we know Good Friday is the day he was killed. All this other stuff that you just read, that I just read to you, is irrelevant because we have our proof scripture right here. At least that's what most Christians say. So, yes, Sunday is the first day of the week. But, of days. Amos 9, verse 11. In that day I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and close up its breaks. And I will raise up its ruins and I will build it as in the days of old, so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations of whom my name is called, says Jehovah, who is doing this. King David is the one who's going to rule during this millennium. So these three days and three nights show us that Jehovah is not going to be with us here on earth. He's talked to Adam, he talked to Noah, he talked to Abraham during each of those millennial cycles. But during the last two that we're in, the fifth and sixth, we haven't heard him. We're not going to hear him in the seventh, but King David's going to rule over us. These three days and three nights in the grave are very prophetic in this way. The other thing to understand is that in the middle of this week, Yeshua was killed on a Wednesday. The temple was built at the beginning of the fourth millennium. And by the end of the fourth millennium, the temple was also destroyed. 
Israel was destroyed in the middle of the fourth sabbatical cycle, and it's about to happen again. We're in dynamic times right now. We're about to enter that fourth sabbatical cycle, the cycle of war, the cycle of curses. You need to understand the Torah. You need to come back and begin to obey. You talk about repenting. Repenting of what? you got to repent of not keeping the Sabbath, of not keeping the Holy Days. Then you'll start to understand this stuff. So we've gone way over our time today, but I wanted to share that with you. May Jehovah bless you. May Jehovah open your eyes to understand these truths. May he encourage you to study into them, not to believe me, not to believe any other person, but to study them for yourselves. May Jehovah bless you with his knowledge, his understanding, his wisdom, so that you can see his truths in his Torah. Shalom, brother. Thank you for listening. It won't be long now Till the world is at peace Till troubles have ceased It won't be long It won't be long now Till the beauty we see For the whole world will be It won't be long The Yeah.